Um, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to continue with this, this understanding, this idea of God's Witness Protection Program. We started this several weeks ago. Uh, and so th- this idea that the government has something that kind of resembles what God actually does, that there is uh, a new life that's offered. And we read a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about that, that uh, in this new life, it really comes down to nothing can be familiar. Um, It's that way in the Federal Witness Protection Program, and it seems to be that way with God's as well. So he, he deals with our sin, and it brings this new life that is a fresh start. And so it is similar in those ways, and I, and I like the idea of our Witness Protection Program kind of helping us get an image of what God is doing, because they have to offer counseling, they have to really detox people off of their old life, so it's, you, 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 you might think it's this, it's just a new location and a new name and a different driver's license. But it's not similar at all. And, and so the reality that we step into with Jesus is that there is a radical life change. There is a, there is a life change that is hard to even appreciate or understand. And it's really true of chem- criminals who most often have lived a criminal life all their life. Uh, You know, if you were part of the Italian mob, you talk like an Italian mob person. Uh, You you eat Italian food at these places on Cicero and Chicago. You, you, You have a lifestyle, and there's parts of it you like. There's parts of it you embrace. And so when you go to this life, and now you're living in you know, Duluth, Minnesota, and you're living in a cul-de-sac neighborhood with people with children who go to PTA. And, and they're partitioning and wanting you to sign up that they want the sidewalks improved. And it's not you. It's not your world. It's not your life. And you feel, you feel stuck. You feel like you're being strangled and and so people struggle with that transition. It's the same way with Jesus. That life is really radically different, and we can struggle with that. In achieving success in God's system and in the federal program, the past has to be dealt with. And Jesus can deal with that past, and, and we can look at that as fire insurance, we're going to heaven and all those things. But it's only the beginning of the process. And then we find that our testimony really has to become more about Jesus and less about our triumphs, what we've accomplished, uh, what we've done. I, I've, even with Christians, it's funny, you'll get them talking about their past and, oh man, it was crazy. I did this and I did this. And, and you can tell they miss it. They're talking, oh man, I made all this money and I was jetting around and these women with me and it was, it was crazy. And I go, you miss that, don't you? Oh, well, you know, 
But the truth is, people felt powerful then. Now they're living on the cul-de-sac, signing the PTA thing. And so the reality is individuals, when they receive that new identity, they have to learn and grow and transform into a new person. And so we leave the old life, kind of the rules for success. We leave the old acquaintances. We leave our old ways. We embrace a new way of living because we believe it is good. Because we believe at the end of the day, at the end of our journey, that we won't go, wow, I gave up a great, crazy life for a boring life. I could have just lived a little closer to the edge. I think people are afraid they're going to miss out. It's why they do all kinds of things before marriage, because they don't want to miss out. And I'm reading between the lines a little bit. We have children in the room. I'm not sure how old my children are in this room, but work with me. You might be 30, and you're still hitting that mark. So, So the challenge is we live our life because we're afraid we're going to miss out. We're afraid God is going to jip us out of the good stuff. When, when I talk to people who didn't do drugs, they didn't sleep around, they didn't do all these things, they went through high school, and now they feel like they don't even have a testimony. God didn't have to rescue them from flames and fire. Well, I just heard the message, and it seemed true, and I invited Jesus into my life, been walking with him ever since. There's really no story here. You know, that's because we've been tainted by the news. The news would say there's no story there. But I tell you, the longer you try to be that kind of person, you realize how incredible that is, don't you? You realize, how did they do that? They must have been born different than me. They're a special Christian. I'm not one of those. One of my daughters says, you know, I just have to do it the hard way every time. My thought is, no, you don't. Not, not really. You don't have to. But often we choose to. It is a call to all things new, a new life, nothing familiar. And we looked at these core influences of that life. It's our mind. Jeff covered that last week the renewing, the changing of our mind. We'll talk a little bit about that. Our activities, our circle. Who are the people in our circle? Our circle of friends, acquaintances, relationships, those we trust, those we don't trust, those we use, those who use us. How we invest, our job at our school. These are the core influences of what our life looks like to someone else. So we covered out of that our circle. These are the people. Whether you like it or not, they're influencing you. Anybody remember, I mean, you'd have to watch it on you know, Nickelodeon or something, but leave it to Beaver. Anybody know that? Anybody remember Eddie Haskell? I mean, you know, everybody hated Eddie Haskell. 
even his friends, his family probably. I don't know. He was just this guy that was just kind of gross most of the time. You know, Wally's mother asked one time, why do you hang out with him? He said, gee, Mom, if I didn't hang out with him, he wouldn't have a friend. That sounds noble, and that is a good thing. We do hang out with all kinds of people. The question is, where are you getting substance from people? What people are you admiring? What people are you copying? Jeff used a great story how he comes back from, from boot camp or training or something. He's, he's, he's dressed, you know, strangely. Who's been influencing you? And so people do influence us. Rock stars influence us. Ball players influence us. Rich people influence us. That's our circle. We have to really take charge of who is influencing us. What are we getting off of people? I have found people that I don't want to influence me, but somehow they have the ability. They're not even trying to. I find I pick up terms. When I first came to this church, there was a phrase that started every single sentence that came out of a leader's mouth. Well, you know, even the person would answer back, uh, yeah, well, you know, well, you know, I thought it odd that everybody had to start their sentence with, well, you know, and after like three months here, I started every sentence, well, you know, and people who don't go here were asking me, why do you do that? I don't know. I hate that. I know people who do that. We are influenced more than we think. There are people here, you corrupted me back then, okay? I forgive you. Talked about renewing of our mind. What is going into and coming from the attitudes and thinking of our mind? Are we, is our mind promoting the old life, the new life, or is it not promoting life at all? And so the diagram you had was this one of thoughts, identity, and attitudes, all coming together. And it comes from your mind. And we're going to connect that today with activities. It's true we are a new creation and new life is flowing in us in Jesus. But that's the beginning of that creation. And we must learn. We all mostly want it to be a zap. You know, God zaps me and I'm free of this and I'm free of that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But it says that Jesus learned humility from suffering. Yeah, Jesus had to learn something. We think of him as all-knowing, but he was a learner. He was a student of the scripture. And he learned. He grew into his identity. That's exactly what we have to do. There is no zap. 
There is no crowning. In fact, even when that happens, even when some people get this, they come to Jesus, it's this radical experience, and now they can't think anything but happy thoughts. They love everybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. I love that. But there's a term we have for that. It's called the honeymoon. It will end. Embrace the honeymoon. Now, some of us, we came to Christ in more of a storm, a crisis, a bet. You know, I don't know how you got there if you're in Jesus. So maybe you had a little honeymoon. Some marriages don't have a honeymoon at all. Some marriages have a big honeymoon. Some marriages go on honeymoons for years. I'm still on honeymoon. Some never get a honeymoon. It really doesn't matter what your spiritual honeymoon experience looks like. The truth is, you will have to learn to be the new you. You're going to have to embrace learning it, embracing it, growing into it. Our mind, your mind, my mind, it will play a powerful role in the success or the failure of our new life. What do you put into your mind? Ephesians 4, 23 through 24, we're just going to take part of that, 23 uh, on to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put it on. You gotta put it on. You know, it's one of those things you put on that you don't know quite how it goes on. I know we have some tuxes like that. I've struggled with some hospital gowns that you're not quite sure how this ties and goes on. You're not sure what's supposed to be exposed and what not. And so we have to put it on. We have to figure it out. And here's a definition for your attitude. Attitude, a feeling or a way of thinking that affects a person's behavior. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of processing. It's something your mind has processed. You have an answer. Somebody said something and you do this. You roll your eyes. Your mind has already processed that. You don't like them. You don't like what they said. There's something, and now you have taken action, haven't you? Maybe they saw it. Maybe they didn't. It doesn't matter. But the mind and the actions have come together there. Do you see that? Attitudes birthed in the mind produce You see, in God's witness protection program, as we read the scripture, as we begin to embrace, what does this new life look like? How am I supposed to look? What what am I supposed to be like? I feel like I'm the old person. I feel like I'm that person. I feel more comfortable talking to my party friends. I feel less comfortable talking to Christians. They're still a little weird to me. 
But you see, if you read the scripture, what you're going to know is that is not the way to look at it. It doesn't matter whether you're comfortable. Do you, do you understand that? It doesn't matter. I am more comfortable with these people than with these people. My comfort is super important to me. Therefore, I'm going to hang out with these people. We've just created a circle. Do you see that? My mind and my attitudes have produced what I am declaring my circle will be. Instead of my mind being renewed, being changed, being transformed and saying, no, I know that's more comfortable. I know I talk their language. They talk my language. They feel me and I feel them, blah, blah, blah. All that's true. But what I need to be successful in embracing my new life is these people here. And you look at them and go, Long story short, I did not want to be a pastor. I was a pilot, not a pastor. Did not want to be a pastor. Didn't mind praying for people, loving people, all those things. But I didn't want to be a pastor, partly because I didn't like them. I think they're a little odd, you know? I think they're odd. I'm going to say this. I used to think they're kind of cheap. They don't tip very well. They always, you know, they act like there's this unspoken vow of poverty. I don't like that. I don't think people, even if I don't have any money, I'm not poor. I mean, we don't, I'm not poor. If I don't have any money, I'm still not poor. How can you be an heir to the throne of God and say, I'm poor? That's not possible. That's not reading the scripture about my new identity. I don't, I don't want to be poor. I had a, a friend of mine, a pastor, and they had, uh, he's married, and they, they had a friend that had a nice big house, and, and this, the person was moving out of the house, and their new house wasn't ready, and they had this 60-inch television screen, flat screen. So they asked the pastor's wife, hey, could you keep this for four or five months in your house until my house is ready? You know me, I'm a dude. I would die for a 60-inch screen, all right? Give me some surround sound, a 60-inch screen. I'm, I'm living a dream. Well, my, this, this pastor, his wife was embarrassed to have this giant screen. What if people come over and they think that's ours? I guess you could hide it, get yourself a little black and white, about this big, says Philco or something from 1940. Well, why don't you just enjoy the big screen? I, I'm not like that. I would enjoy the big screen. If you have a 60-inch screen, it needs to be a good one, all right? Because I have a pretty decent flat screen right now, thanks to my lovely wife. <clears throat> Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I walked into a pastor's conference, my very first time at a pastor's conference, and it was in a giant kind of a stadium thing. It was a church. I walked in, and I saw these pastors. I mean, it was a sea of pastors. And my thought was, I, my heart just sank. I said, oh, God. I said this out loud. Please don't make me be one of these. Let's cut a deal. 
I'll be anything else. You see, my attitude was not biblical, was it? It was not of God. I shouldn't look at any sea of people and look down on them. Four years later, same place, coming through the same tunnel, these pastors, these are the words that came from my mouth. I looked at them, and I saw these giant heroes of the faith, people who endeavored to walk with God in supernatural ways. And it just came out of my mouth. It said, I said, I'm a pastor. It just came out like that, like, I'm one of these. That's right. I'm one of these. I'm one of those that's in Hebrews chapter 11. That's me. All of a sudden, it was this, it was this belonging to this group of people who endeavored to walk and run with the most high creator God, humans. And I, I felt privileged to be in their presence. You hear the difference? You see, over that four years, God renewed my mind. God renewed my mind, and it affected my attitudes, my thoughts, and ultimately, what did it affect? My actions. Renewing of our mind. I'm, I'm spending a little time reviewing mind. It's actually fully displayed um, in ljvineyard.org. You can look it up. But the reason I am, you're going to see in just a minute, it connects to where we're going. So the old life becomes mastered by the renewing of the mind. Desires, greed, envy, anger, rage, despair, loneliness, this is not a complete list. This is just giving you an idea of the things that God is out to transform in you and I. If you struggle with lust, God is out to transform that. It's all good news from here. It's all good news. He is stepping into your life with power and authority and grace and love to address these things. Which hold us back, which keep us trapped in an old life, keeps us filled with guilt and shame, keeps us cycling up and down, and usually breaks us down to the point where we're just trying to get through life and survive. God comes to the rescue in the battle of the mind. And he brings powerful tools. Last week, Jeff, Jeff shared this with you out of 2 Timothy 1.17. The scripture says that he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but there are some of you here that would say, I'm just not self-disciplined. That's not my strength. It might not be. But don't kid yourself. Self-discipline 
is a powerful tool God has given you that your life could be transformed. God is not messing around when he says, here's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing power, I'm bringing love, and I'm bringing self-discipline. We might go love the power, love the love, but the self-discipline, is that your self-discipline or is that my self-discipline? And God can say, take a guess. He's giving you the power. He's empowering your yes and your no. You see, that's what we need. We need power and our yes and our no. And the scripture can share with you what it should be. But ultimately, it will be you that says yes or no. And God will pack it up, back it up with all the authority of the kingdom. And if you say yes to a bad habit, you'll get yes. Why? Because he's empowered your discipline. You can say yes to it. You can say no to it. The choice is completely yours. You've been empowered. Often we just do not embrace or accept the reality that God has given the power that we can overcome. Now, it doesn't mean I will always like it. It doesn't mean that it'll always be comfortable. It doesn't mean it'll always be what I want. What it means is I will begin to operate in what I know the real bill is supposed to look like. I will know what I'm supposed to look like, and I will understand that God is empowering me to look and walk and act like Jesus Christ. Now, that might sound kind of like, you know, religious, and is that like a, a sheet and a sandals, or, you know, how does that fit in my world? Well, I'll tell you how it fits in your world. Jesus would fit perfect in your world. He would fit perfect in your world. If Jesus came and said, hey, I'm going to be around like Jackson, Clute, Oyster Creek, Freeport, wherever you're at today, I'm going to be around. You want me to hang out with you? Sure, sure, I'd like to see what that looks like. Do you think he would mess that up? Wouldn't you like to go along with him and just see how it works? How would you do Freeport in 2015, Jesus? According to the scripture, he would do it exactly the way he would have done it 2,015 years ago. He would have walked in power and love. He would have demonstrated the character, the love, and the grace of his father. He would have seen those things as important. Not his personal honor, not how much money he made, but what he would see is that if I go to Freeport and I use my life my talents, my skills, I discipline myself to glorify my father, I think I'll be just fine in Freeport, in Lake Jackson, in Houston. He's going to deal with desires, greed, envy. He's going to deal with those things. 
And his power and his love and his self-discipline are gifts, powerful gifts of equipping. Jeff shared, how do we renew our minds? We must take charge of our minds. We must embrace with a new sense of purpose the role and the power we are given to enter in and grow in this new life. If it doesn't fit you, what that means is you're the wrong shape. If you put on the uniform and the shoulders are like this, if I put it on and the sleeves are kind of hanging down, it doesn't mean the uniform is wrong. It means I have work to do with my body. So when it's awkward and it doesn't fit, we know it's time to grow. Time to bulk up. It comes to the other core I wanted to mention today, and that's our activities. Activities I'm going to call different than your job, different than your school. I'm talking about activities as those things you engage in kind of in your spare time, in your discretionary time. What are you doing with your time? Does it invest, does it put into the old life or the new life, or does it not produce anything? In Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever of you have learned or received, there's that word learned from us. Whatever you've heard or seen, all these things, put them into practice. So here's where you start. Because activities and mind work together. What the scripture is telling you. Here's where I want you to focus your mind. What is true? What the father says is, what do I say is true? Learn truth. What is noble? He says, I want you to think about that. I want you to think on nobility. I want you to understand it. I want you to focus your mind on this. What is right? I want that to become important to you. I want your mind to dwell on that. What is lovely? Many of us don't even know what that word means. It looks like love. It's love-like. What does it mean? What is lovely? I want you to meditate on things that are truly lovely. What's admirable? When we look at somebody that annoys us, do we try to think of things that are admirable about that person or do we really want to focus on that thing that really annoys us about them? 
We feel like we have a little bit of a right to do that. They're annoying. They're annoying to everybody. I'm just speaking the truth. You hear that word truth? And God might say, is that your final answer? Do you think that's how I would describe this person? Of all I know about them, do you think I would say they're annoying? Or do you think God has some other way of looking at you and I other than just the things that are wrong with us? He's calling us. Focus, find what is admirable. In your sphere, find what is lovely. Find what is true. Find what is right. Let those things become the food of your mind. And he goes on. Anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, lock on to that. And you realize if your mind is now working hard to do these things, you realize your mind will be working hard? You know, it's much easier to see bad things about yourself and others. But when you shift to this gear, the idea of positive thinking is not that it changes the outcome. The idea of positive thinking is it changes you. If I think positively, will my grade, you know, be an A instead of an F, even though I didn't study? No, it's going to be an F. That's what that's going to be. But focusing on things that give life, focusing on life that is in other people, finding life that's in a broken world and calling it out will begin to change your attitudes. And when your thoughts and your attitudes are being transformed, your activities will change. The scripture says, put them all into practice. And what I'm saying is, the mind and the activities are joined. Be made new in your mind is largely that you feed it differently. We can go so far on our personality, our charm, our wit, even opportunities that we have. But the reality is the mind will end up toxic. And activities will feed one way or another. So the mind feeds activities and activities feed the mind. And that's how we get caught in a circle we can't get out of. I just want to mention a few things here. What are some of the activities? Music. You know, you might have some, you know, some rap artists you really like. But if you look at the lyrics, if you listen to the lyrics, they're not admirable. They're not pure. They're not noble. It doesn't matter if they're talking about something that really happened. It doesn't matter if that's real. 
what God would say is, I think I have the corner on real. And when we can say, well, my life is really broken, my life is really messed up, and this song really describes my life, and God would say, my real trumps broken, always. So when we listen to songs, I don't care if it's country western, I don't care, I don't care what it is. When we listen to songs that don't feed life, it's still filling your mind. It's still influencing your attitudes. Now, if you're going, well, is he saying it's a sin to listen to secular music? No, I'm not saying that. I listen to secular music. I like secular music. But I am real careful about the music I listen to. I'm real careful about it. Melinda shared, uh, uh, she used to be a big Queen fan. And, uh, you know, most of us were a big Queen fan. Probably many of us are still Queen fans. Uh, you know, Freddie Mercury, incredible voice. But I, I asked, what she, she trashed all that. She threw it away when she became a believer. You might be going, oh, darn, that was some good stuff. But I, I asked her, so tell me about one of those songs. And she mentioned one. It was like, you know, Tie Mama Up or something like that. And when you listen to the lyrics, I went and looked at the lyrics. They're horrific. They're horrific. You know, let's drown your little brother. Let's lock your father outside and let's tie your mother up so we can... Really? That sounds like real love there. We're going to wipe out your family for a one-night stand. I, I shouldn't listen to that song. It's not, it's not that sin comes in my ears. It's that my mind is the hard drive of the universe, and it's all going there. And what am I going to do with that? Your music matters, folks. And maybe you don't like KSBJ. There's a lot of times I don't like KSBJ. It doesn't matter what I like. It matters what's going inside me. That's what matters. Figure it out. Find something you like. I don't care if it's Mozart. Find something you like to go into your mind. TV. This is a tough one. Because it's tough to find a show that's not really, you know, junking up your mind. You know, a confession here. I used to watch uh, Two and a Half Men. That's a, that's a tough show. You're hard-pressed to find a spot in there that'll do anything positive for your soul. And you'll walk away no matter how funny you think it is, all right? You're going to walk away looking at women differently, looking at men differently, looking at sexuality differently, looking at life differently. It's, it's going to be messed up. You might think, well, what are you going to look at? Well, maybe you need to turn it off. 
Feed your mind something that gives you, gives you life. Games. Some of you play a lot of games. More than you should play. You know who you are. Some of you struggle with it. There's someone in this room came to me and said, well, you know, I decided I was going to give more time to other things and God, and I was going to put this, you know, Xbox or something away, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I found myself sneaking and doing this. So I had to get rid of it. I like the sound of that. You see, that's making a choice that goes against what I want that's a part of the old life. Is Xbox a sin? No, but it's not helping some of you. I could do Xbox fine. I, I don't even like flight programs. I'd be a terrible gamer. But I have my own stuff, you know? It's not like I am above anybody. It is all about we're coming out of an old life into a new one. Social media. Some of us struggle with social media. Again, not one of my vices. I struggle to just look at it every day. Um, but, but many people find, whether it's, no matter what version of social media you use, it's your connection. It's how you connect with your peeps, with, with your peers. It's, it's all this stuff. The question is, are they sending you things on YouTube that are gross, that are crass? Are they sending you things that are dirty jokes? Are they sending you things that are not giving you life? Is that what you're getting? Because, see, social media has become part of our circle, hasn't it? We just, they're, they're electronic people. News. News junkies in the room. You don't have to raise your hands. You know, I think it's great. I, I stay up with the news. I, I work hard to stay up with the news. But I have to be careful. If I just look at the news all day long, you know, I might want to do something desperate to myself, you know. It's a dark place. And what they report is dark things. It's a collection of darkness. And what makes it legitimate is it's real darkness that's really happening. So I try to stay current on the darkness that's affecting the world because somebody will say, well, what do you think about this? I want to go, well, I don't know about that. But I like to know the darkness is there, but I try not to get where I'm just dosing on darkness. There's a sermon in that, dosing on darkness. News, making money. A lot of us spend our time and activity is on making money. Some of us have never made any money. We still think that way. The dream of making money. The thoughts of making money. And then the activities that follow in that. These are all activities that the mind and how we function out here work together. 
Some of us focus on health. Some of us, lust has a great power. And it affects the way you look at people. It affects what you're thinking in your spare time. It affects what you look at on YouTube. It affects a lot of things. And when you operate in those things, when you step into that YouTube, when you look at those ads, when you do these things, you're sneaking. Your lust is sneaking. And those are activities that's feeding the mind. Your activities matter. Let's skip to the last slide. Power, love, and self-discipline. It might sound like our activities are a wasteland, and I think for many of us, they are. But what it says is, Whatever is, of, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things and then act on them. You want to know what our activities should be? We should be operating our activities out of working with how do we function with purity? How do we function with somebody or something that is actually admirable or praiseworthy? How can we begin to live our life in a way that is different because we choose our thinking differently and we choose our activities differently that they begin to build a different you here. If you would stand, please. 